Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Genesis chapter number 6 with me. And uh, we'll see what the Lord's got for us here today. Genesis chapter number 6. And... Uh, Man, what a great few nights of meeting that we had, and uh, what wonderful preaching that we had, and uh, singing, and and uh, man, I'm thanking God for it. I'm still uh, uh, still uh, uh, feeding off of it, to be honest with you, and. Um, I listened to a few other messages throughout the days, and and uh, just uh, man, I tell you what, I'm full this morning, and. I thank God for that. Uh, Genesis chapter number 6 this morning. If you found your place, let's stand in honor and reverence to the reading of the Word of God. This is one of those uh, messages. I started studying for it. I was reading this and started studying for it. And I thought, Lord, I've preached that before. I feel like I've preached that before. I said something to Nicole. And uh, y'all, don't, y'all don't understand. I track everything that I preach. Uh, I've got, uh, I've got every message that I've ever preached. I've got where I preached it at. I've got what service I was in and, uh, just everything. I've got an archive of everything. And, uh, I just knew I had preached this message and I've never preached this message according to my records. And, uh, so I've got some that I preached out of the same passage and some that I preached around this thought. But, um, uh, anyways, I say all that to say, if you've heard this message before, just go with me, all right? Uh, maybe one slipped under the cracks, but it's like Brother Josh said, I think it was Thursday or Friday, anything worth preaching once is worth preaching again. And, uh, and uh, I, I really prayed about this because I kept thinking, I've preached this, I've preached this, and uh, I couldn't get away from it, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to preach. And uh, if I have preached it before, I studied all of it all over again. And so uh, I'm going to be mad if I do find it because I, no, I'm just playing. But I'm just trying to mind the Lord this morning. Look in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9. And the Bible says this, uh, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And Noah said, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them uh, with the earth. Thank you for standing. You can be seated uh, this morning. Now, God has a lot to say in this chapter concerning sin. In verse number 5, He tells us about the spread of sin. The Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In verse number 13, we see the solution for sin. It says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. We know what the solution for sin is. Uh, The Bible tells us in Romans that the wages of sin is death. Now, wickedness, sin, it always ends in destruction. And so in verse 14, though, uh, we not only have the spread of sin, the solution of sin, but in verse 14, we see the salvation of 
from sin. Because uh, the Bible says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. So everything looked really bad. Sin was running rampant on the world. Man's, man was absolutely wicked. And we see the solution was that God was just going to wipe it all out. He was going to destroy man. He was destroying the earth. But that wasn't, hallelujah, where the end was. Because there was salvation. And I'm glad tonight, if there's anything we can take from this, we can take that, hey, there is hope. We have a day of grace in which we live in. And there is still salvation to be had for a sin-sick society and sin-sick man. Now, having said all of that, it is a principle with God in His Word that the more degenerate the times, the more definite the testimony. Here's what I mean by that. God always has His special man. He always does. He always has a Moses, an Elijah, a Daniel. And before the flood, he had Noah. Now, Noah lived in a day of spiritual decay, social decline, sinful display. Sounds a lot like today. As a matter of fact, over in the New Testament, we are told that as, as were the days of Noah, when it comes to knowing when the end of time is at hand, the Lord Jesus pointed us back to say, look at how it was in Noah's day. Look at how it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, and you'll know it's close. That's what He tells us. But see, we not only have in that day spiritual decay and social decline and a sinful display, but we also have a sudden destruction. Now, Noah was a bright shining light in prevailing moral darkness. You see, Noah in an impure world was pure. In an unrighteous world, he was righteous. In a world that dismissed God, the Bible says he walked with God. Can you even imagine the pressure that Noah would have faced to live wrong? You think about it. There was no church to attend. There was no Bible to read. There was no brethren to run to for encouragement. Yeah. It was him and God and his family. It was, well, let me get the order right. It was God, Noah, and his family. That was it. Now I sit back and I think right now, if I put myself in his shoes and the only righteous person there would be is me, and then I'd have my family... Could you just imagine how tough that would be? And then the whole world against you. That's where we're at. That's where it's at right here. It makes me think, how in the world did Noah manage to live right in a world that was gone wrong? How did he manage to do that? Well, that's exactly what I want to preach on for a little while this morning. I want to answer that question. How Noah lived right in a world gone wrong? And the Word of God tells us exactly how he lived right in a world gone wrong. And the first thing that the Bible tells us is that he had the right salvation. Step number one, he had the right salvation. Look in verse number eight of Genesis chapter six. The Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You might wonder, well, how did Noah get saved? He gets saved the same way we got saved. He trusted God. 
He trusted God. It says he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, this is the first time that the word grace is used in the Bible. It is a Hebrew word, which means kindness or favor. It comes from a root word, which means, y'all get this, get a hold of this, to bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. Yeah. Isn't that what God did for us? Isn't that what God did for us? Hey, He sent His Son. God in the flesh, the Creator, came to us. Isn't that what we celebrate at Christmas time? Emmanuel, God with us. What an act of mercy. What an act of grace that God, the almighty creator of the universe, who created all things, who runs all things, who controls all things, would stoop to become one of us. That's grace. That's grace. Now listen, grace is unmerited favor. It is getting something we do not deserve. Noah found grace, the Bible says. I want you to notice this morning that Noah was not a godly man because he came from a long line of godly men. For as I mentioned just a week or so ago, God has no grandchildren. Doesn't matter that my grandpa was saved or my grandma was saved or that my daddy saved or my great grandpa was saved. What matters is me and God. God has no grandchildren. And so we see that Noah wasn't saved. He didn't find grace just because of who he was and where he came from. Noah didn't work for God's grace. I want you to notice God, uh, that, that he was made, Noah was made a godly man because he discovered eternal life in the generous, overflowing grace of Almighty God. He had to see himself as a sinner in need of the grace of God. And Noah didn't work for God's grace. It was freely given to him by God. God still, even today, continues to give us his grace freely. I'm thankful that He gives me grace not only to become a child of God, but He gives me grace to live the life of a Christian. He gives me grace every day. Every moment of every day. The reason we are here right now is because of the grace and the mercy of Almighty God. When we look at verses 8 and 9, we're given four very interesting things. Now remember, Noah had the right salvation, and I'm about to prove that to you. If you write in your Bibles, here's four key words you need to highlight or underline or circle or whatever you do. In verse 8 and 9, the Bible says, but Noah found what? Grace. That's the first key word, in the eyes of the Lord. Then verse 9 says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man. Just is your second key word. What else was he? He was a just man and perfect. Perfect is your third key word in his generations. And then at the latter part of verse number 9, the Bible says, And Noah walked with God. Walked is that fourth key word. Hey, let me, let me go back through these real quick. Grace, that's the first word. We first must be saved. Amen? If we're going to walk with God, if we're going to live right in the wrong world, hey, if we're going to live right in a world that's gone wrong, we have to be saved, y'all. How are we saved? Well, the Bible teaches us that we are saved by grace through faith. So we see the very first thing here. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But then look, the second key word I told you was just. You know what that means? 
He was a just man. You know what we are if you're saved today? You are justified in God's eyes. Uh, the word means ju- the word just means to be right. And when a person truly gets born again, they begin to live right. There's a change that takes place. The Bible says that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When you truly get born again, I promise you, there'll be a change in your life and you'll begin to live right. Why? Because you're justified. Now, the third key word that we found is the word perfect. That word perfect means entire, without spot. Or complete. As we grow in Christ, y'all, y'all hear me out. As we grow in Christ, now I know that we're not perfect, we mess up. Okay? But y'all just hear me out. As we grow in Christ, as we are saved, as we are justified, as we're living right, we will grow in Christ and we will gain more victories and we'll become more balanced in our Christian life. Why? Because we are becoming like Christ. And so we see that he was perfect in his generation. I'm going to say more about that in a minute. That's an interesting phrase. But the fourth key word is this right here. Walked. As Noah grew in the Lord, you know what he did? He gained a consistent walk with God day by day by day. Now these four things, y'all, in these two verses show us the stages of the right salvation. Amen? We got a lot of people today that they say they're saved. They say that they got saved and this, that, and the other, but they've got, they don't act like they're justified. They try not to live right. They don't care about living right. They don't walk with God. Uh, hey, they're, <laughs> they're not even in the, in the ballpark of being perfect or trying to grow like Christ. And honey, people like that, I question whether they've got the right salvation or not. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But this is what the Bible says. And so you find that here in Scripture. I want you to notice he had the right salvation. But number two, he had the right Scriptures. Now you might say, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. You just said he didn't have a Bible. No, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have a Bible to read. So you might wonder... How did he have the right scriptures when he had no Bible? Well, you know what he did? He did the same thing you and I are to do. He trusted what God said. I think so many times there is a disconnect with us in our heads between just not understanding the fact that this is literally the Word of God. Literally. These are His words on paper. And Noah might not have, he might not have had the written word like you and I do, but God spoke to him. God had chose, God has chosen to speak to us today, not audibly like what he did Noah back then, but through his written word that we hold in our laps today, and we are to do with it today as Noah did with it back then. You know what that is? We find it in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. When God speaks, we trust, we obey. That's what Noah did. He did it with the audible word. You and I do it today with the written word. 
Not only did Noah trust what God said, but he told what God said. What are you talking about, preacher? He told what God said. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 5 tells us, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. The Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. He not only trusted what God said, but he told what God said. The Bible here tells us he was a preacher of righteousness. This means that he warned people about the coming judgment and urged them to repent of their sins. He did the same thing we are commanded to do today. You know what that is? Preach the word. Not my word, not my tradition, not my opinion, but the word of God. And you may say, well, preacher, you're the preacher, not me. Well, guess what? You know what you're to do? You're to tell people the word of God. As God speaks to you, you go tell it to the world. We're all missionaries. We've all got somebody to talk to. How did Noah live right in a world gone wrong? Well, he had the right salvation and he had the right scriptures. Then we see number three this morning, he had the right standards. I know that ain't popular, but he had the right standards. Verse number nine, look at it with me. It says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. Now that's an interesting phrase. We are told here that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, that he walked with God. Noah's declared just, that is justified. The fact that he's declared just, is it speaks volumes in itself. He entered into the, into the salvation of God and was given the absolute standing before God that belongs only to the justified soul. And along with his justification, you know what he had? He had the power to live a godly life just like we do. The Bible says he was perfect, literally, without blemish in a morally corrupt world. He was perfect in what? His generations. What in the world does that mean? Well, that's interesting. Because that's not the same Hebrew word that's used back at the first part of the chapter when it talks about about his lineage or his generations. When it talks about his sons, it's not the same word. It's a different Hebrew word. And when you study that Hebrew word out, you find that the word translated generations right here in this phrase means this, to go in a circle. To go in a circle. Now you might be wondering, what in the world does that got to do with anything, preacher? Well, let me just tell you. It suggests to us that Noah found a new center of gravity for his life in God. He was perfect in his generations. As a planet goes in a circle around the sun, so did Noah's life go around God. That's what we find in this phrase. Without his life revolving around God, Noah would have no doubt falling, uh, would have, would have fell into the outer darkness of the wicked age in which he lived. But the world didn't attract Noah. You know what? He found a greater attraction in God. And henceforth, his life revolved around God. You know what a lot of our problems is today? Our life is not revolving around God, but it's revolving around the garbage of this world. 
You're never going to be perfect in your generations like Noah was if you're revolving everything you do around the things of this world, whatever that may be. Indeed, he did walk with God. I believe Noah had high, holy, and heavenly standards. He had the right standard. But then fourthly this morning, I'm going to preach here for a while. He had the right ship. He had the right ship. God tells Noah in verse number 14, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He had the right salvation. That's where it started. He had the right scriptures. He had the right standards. And so God, what, what, what happened? Because of all of that, Noah was saved from the flood. How was Noah going to be saved from the flood? Well, God tells him to build a boat. Build a big old ship, Noah. I know I'm getting elementary this morning, but there's some good stuff in this. I feel like it'll help somebody because it sure helped me this weekend. It says, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and pitch it within and without with pitch. We're told he was to cover this ark with pitch. And we would know this today as tar. It seals cracks. It makes them waterproof. But I want you to notice something about this word pitch. This word pitch is a Hebrew word kapar. All right? It literally means this, to atone. It don't mean to waterproof. Okay? Going somewhere with this. It means to atone. The word kapar is the root word for something you may have heard of, which is Yom Kippur. And that's the day of atonement in Jewish culture. What we find in the Bible. And only on this one occurrence is the word kapar translated pitch. On every other occasion in the Bible... Some 70 other times the word is translated atonement. Now you know what God was telling Noah? God was telling Noah, I want you to cover the inside and the outside of the ark with atonement. Y'all getting where I'm going? That's exactly what Jesus came to do for us. Y'all getting this? That's exactly what He, he came to shed His blood... For the kapar, or the atonement for man's sin. And His atonement is the only thing today that will keep the waters of God's judgment from our lives. Nothing else will. Only the atonement. Now verse 15 tells us how big the ship was. Translating the dimensions of what we would use today, we would find out that the ark would be approximately 3 million cubic feet. That's big. As a matter of fact, you could have loaded about 450 semi-trailers in it with the trucks attached. Or tractors, I guess I should say. That's a lot of storage space, is it not? You could put, I think, somewhere around 515 or 525 large metal shipping containers in this ark. It was massive. It was more than big enough, by the way. It would weigh nearly 14,000 pounds. And when you look at how God instructed them to build it, it would have looked like a coffin. 
Here's what I'm trying to say. Noah's ark may not be fancy or fast, but its purpose was not either one of those things. You know what its purpose was? Its purpose was safety. Would you expect anything else from Almighty God? God wasn't worried about how fast it was. He wasn't worried about how pretty it was. He, was worried, he, he wasn't worried about nothing. But He made it so that it would be safe. Yeah. It wasn't fancy, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't fancy and it wasn't fast, but you know what it was? It was going to make it to safety without a shadow of a doubt. And by the way, that ark was plenty big enough to hold, to hold all who desired to enter. I saw one thing, I ain't got time to go into it this morning, but they talked about all the species of the world and how uh, what would have been required to go on the ark, and it's estimated that only half of the ark would have got full anyways. It still had half of the ark. It would have been completely empty. It wouldn't have been empty if people had to come in that door. God made it plenty big enough. He's able. You know what? That When we think about that, we think about the, the sufficiency of Jesus. He's able to save all who will only come to Him. Let me just tell you this morning, there's room at the cross for anyone. And the invitation is open to everyone. I mentioned a moment ago that the ark would have looked like a massive floating coffin. In other words, when the people saw the ship, they thought of death. Now you think about that. When Noah entered into the ark, he was identifying with death. And when, he, and when we come to Jesus today, we are identifying with His death on the cross and our own death to sin. Oh, I hope you all are listening this morning. Verse number 16 tells us that there was one door to the ship. And that door was located, guess where? At the very bottom. You know why it was located at the very bottom? Well, he put it where everybody would be accessible. Everybody could get to it if they wanted to. All the animals could come in the bottom. All the men and women could come in the bottom. Hey, anybody could have rolled up in there. Let me just put it this way. You could have crawled into it. God thinks of everything. And you know what? There was only one door. It was located at the bottom. And John 10, 9 says, I am the door. And by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Hey, the door, I want you to tell, I want, I want you to know this morning, it's not a plan. It's not a program. It's not a party. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. You can't have atonement without Jesus. Hmm. If any man gets to heaven, it's going to be because he walked through the door of salvation. But I want you to notice this too, talking about Noah had the right ship. I want you to know that it was not only designed by God, but it was driven by God. It was driven by God. There's some things we don't find in the design of the ark. Now Noah didn't have a windshield on it, did he? So you know what? He couldn't see where he was going. He didn't have a rear view mirror on it or a side view mirror on it. You know why? Because he couldn't see where he came from. You know what else he didn't have? He didn't have a gas pedal to speed it up. He didn't have a brake pedal to slow it down. As a matter of fact, he didn't even have a steering wheel. He didn't have a rudder. And you know what? You can't have a ship without a rudder. But you can if God's piling in it. You can if God's driving it. There was no mention of a rudder. And, and you know, the Bible says that Noah followed the instructions perfectly. God gave him very... I don't have time to get into all of them this morning for the sake of time, but there were specific instructions and there was no rudder instructed. That's because it didn't need one. You know what? God was driving this ship. 
Noah had, Noah had no control over the ark. He couldn't do a thing about it. He didn't have control over where it was going. He didn't have control over how it was going because God was driving the ship. And some of us this morning, the lesson in all of that for us is that we need to quit trying to steer our lives and trust God to get us where we're going. You know what God gave Noah? He didn't give him none of those things. He didn't give him no way to control it. You know what he gave him? He gave him a window. He gave him one window. And get this. Get this. He gave him one window that was only about a foot and a half square. And it was right in top of the boat. Who thought about that? This big old boat. God gave him one window looking out that was 18 inch square. By the way, that's too small for anybody to crawl out of. I definitely ain't getting it. <laughs> Y'all, I've been up to some houses, some of these old houses like was built in the 19, like 1910, 1920. You know, back in the day where they'd stack about five stones or six stones on the ground and then they started building a house around. I've been in some of those. I woke up to that crawl door and I know before I get there, but then I'm thinking, well, I'm going to double check anyways. And I'll open up that crawl door and I'm like, nope, not happening. I close it and I take that little ticket and say, need a small technician. I was in one one day. I got stuck in it at my, uh, at my shoulders. That was fun. Boy, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I got out, though, because I'm here today. But anyways, I'm going to tell you what. You can, 18 inches is not much clearance. But you know what he could do? He could look up. Oh, just get a hold of that. And if that didn't hit you, just go home and think about it, all right? All Noah could do is stand. Oh, hey, what was going on outside? The flood was coming. No doubt there was a storm raging. Hey, we heard some good preaching on storms this week. We heard some good preaching on trials and tribulations of life. And we heard some good preaching the other night uh, talking about that shelter and how nothing was bothering him as long as he was under that shelter. Guess what? In the ark, as everything is raging around him and the winds are going and everything else, hey, Noah has no control. He doesn't know what's going on outside. But what he can do is he can stand in the middle of that ark and gaze up to heaven. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's not an afterthought. God knows what He's doing. Let me tell you this morning, you know what we need to do? We need to... We, some of us need to quit trying to steer the ship because we ain't got the wheel anyways all Noah had was a window and all he could do was stand in the ark and look up and we need to put that into practice this morning things are going on around us we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus we just need to keep our eyes on the Lord hey he's got it all under control hey he's keeping us safe protected by that atonement Amen. Not only was Noah's ship designed by God, it was driven by God, but it was delivered by God. Y'all get a load of this. I've heard this preached, I don't know how many times, talking about the ark. I never paid attention to this little fact. The ark rested on the mount 
The Bible tells us in the seventh month and the seventeenth day. You know why God told us? You ever wonder why God told us that? If, <laughs> let me just tell you. That was the same day Jesus rose from the dead. He tells us that the ship rested on the mount in the seventh month and the seventeenth day. And when you count all that up and figure it all out, it's the same day that Jesus rose from the dead. After the first Passover, okay, the seventh month was changed to the first month. And the lamb was slain on the 14th day, which is the same day Christ was crucified. You can find that in the New Testament. But then, here's the thing. He rose when? Three days after He was crucified. He was buried. He rose again the third day, which would make it the 17th, which is the day of resurrection, which happens to be... Here's where I'm going with all that, okay? I'm not trying to give you a history lesson. I'm trying to show you that everything points to Jesus. The pitch on the ark. The wood that was the ark was made of. The, I'm telling you, the window that was in the ark. The fact that there was no control in the ark. And the very fact of the day that God set it down on dry land, every bit of it points to Jesus Christ. Hey, there's only one place today where we can find safety and salvation, and that is Jesus. Hey, we don't have an ark as a big boat, but we do have a Savior, and His name is Jesus. Jesus, He died for our sins on the cross of Calvary and He rose from the dead. Amen. Amen. How can you live right in a world gone wrong? You can do what Noah did. You can have the right salvation. You can have the right scriptures. You can have the right standards and be on the right ship. If you'll do those four things, you'll live right. In a world gone wrong. And by the way, those four things, the right salvation, the right scriptures, the right standards, the right ship, you can find all of those in one name this morning, and that is the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 verse 10 and on says this, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Everything you see points straight to Jesus. Let's stand by our heads, close our eyes this morning. Miss Dawn, you come play softly. My question for you this morning is, are you living right in a world gone wrong? I don't think any of us would argue over the fact that the world's gone wrong. It's gone completely haywire. We're seeing things that I, I never imagined that we'd have to deal with. We're having to do things 